Well, we're going to be continuing in a series that I've been in on Wednesday night for a little while, and we're in the temptation of Jesus. Have you been following that series a little bit? Okay, good. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Uh, we're talking about the second temptation tonight, the second temptation. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, I submit myself to the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would allow me to speak your word, God, with boldness, with confidence, with assurance. Lord, I ask that every word that is spoken would be from your throne. God, I just lay myself down and ask that the true teacher, the Holy Spirit, would show up and teach your people. And Father, that you would empower these here to receive, to apply this word to their life. God, we honor you. We love your word. We love you. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. I just want to read it to you. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. Look at the arrogance in that statement. <laughs> if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. That's the verse we're going to be looking at tonight. Now, you know, if you see the news, you see Facebook and all, or, or you know, the Facebook, like some, that was a joke that shouldn't be said amongst older people. <laughs> we have a joke to say, hey, have you been to the Facebook or the Instagram? Never mind. That's going to go down. But we've seen where you have like a lady or, or a man laying in bed and you see a boa constrictor, right? You ever seen that picture? Just wrapped around like, and she's just like coddling the pet, right? It's just a snake in the bed. Some people have pet boa constrictors. Have you ever seen that? You've never, never seen, okay. You, if you watch TV and you, you see things on the History Channel and, and things like that, when animals attack, stuff like that, that's that world. Now I want to show you something. I actually got a little video. It's very small. I just want to show you this. Doug, can we roll that? probably saying, why did you show that? Well, wasn't that cute? Wouldn't you just want a baby hippo? I mean, look how cute the little ears were, were flapping. You know, some people can get the weirdest pets, right? I heard of another story of a guy named Marius Ells who had a, a, a baby hippo named Humphrey. And Humphrey was very, very small. And actually, Marius rescued him from a river in Africa during a flooding. And he said that his baby hippo was like a son to him. And then this baby hippo grew up to be five years old and weighed a ton. You know, and, and it's cute. Look how cute it looks. It looks innocent. It looks cute. You know, go Fiona. Fiona is getting to a place where she can get into the water. But they found Marius L's mangled body in the same river that he was rescued from. And Humphrey had killed him. 
Now, I said all that to say, think about how innocent that is. You know, lions, leopards, elephants, buffaloes, and rhinos combined have not killed human beings like, uh, like a hippo. So what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that coddling an innocent pet sin or coddling something that the devil has that we think is insignificant, in fact, we may even think it's kind of cute, has the ability to size you up. Because what that boa constrictor does is that when it was laying around that person, what, what they say is that they do that to size up its prey. So no matter what kind of pet it could be, you cannot take the instinct out. And I said all that to say temptation is the same way. We coddle, we, we coo at it, we look at it, we say, oh, that, that's, that's not going to do much, it's not going to bite. Meanwhile, Satan is using that bait to get you comfortable to eventually squeeze the life out of you. Now think about this. What happens is the grip begins to get tighter and tighter until you don't even realize what's going on in your life. Temptation is a powerful force because it's tugging at what's already on the inside of you. Think about this. Whenever there's a stronghold in someone's life, if you keep coddling that thing, it will rise up and bite you. Let me, let me explain to you how temptation becomes sin. Number one, Satan baits the hook. He knows the bait to use. He knows the time when the flesh is biting. He knows when the highs and lows are. Amen. Number two, the rage begins, right? How many of you have ever dealt with temptation? I just want to make sure I'm not talking to a group of angels. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Instinctively, the flesh is always drawn to the bait. Always. That perfect time comes. That perfect frustration comes. And all of a sudden, the flesh is just being pulled towards that hook with the bait. But the Spirit of God is faithful and is on the other side pushing you the other way. How many of you have ever felt in that temptation battle, if I'm talking to people that have been tempted and been pushed? You feel like this push away from that specific temptation, like, I can't do that. But over a period of time, when you begin to give in into situations and that becomes numb, right? You start to rationalize, it's okay, it's not a big deal, nothing happened prior right? Am I talking to people that dealt with that? I just want to make sure. It's like, remember the, the lost in space, the robot, danger, danger, danger. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's pressing us to go the other way. Look at Galatians 5, 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things, listen, that you want to do. See, you want to do this. It's in you. It's, it's pulling you. It's drawing you. But you are led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
against such things is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And this is the third point here. Temptation always calls for a decision. You have a decision. The bait is there. You have the ability to bite or walk away from it. A decision has to be made. It will wait there. It will wait to see what you're going to do. If you're going to bite or swim away. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. It's described this way. It's the devil's LSD, lust, sin, and death. Now, Luke lists these temptations differently than Matthew and Mark. Luke lists it theologically. In other words, to go along with the theme of, of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So looking at the second temptation, we talked about the first one a couple of weeks back. So what happens now is Satan rebates his hook, right? The first one was the lust of the eyes, the doing. Remember, we talked about identity and all that. The second one is the lust of the flesh, the having, the having, the, the wanting, the gripping, the I need to have this to have my identity. Luke 4, 5, and the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment in time. Now let's look at the, a couple of facets of this bait. Number one, success at all costs or wrongful ambition. The temptation was to have all the authority and control apart from the will of God. Now Satan would bring him to a high mountain, the Bible says in Matthew. Now this might have been a supernatural moment because we see that Ezekiel did the same thing in, in chapter 40 of his great book. And also we see in Revelation 21 that John was taken to a mountain and he was able to see the glorious city of Jerusalem. Now Satan might have paraded these kingdoms in front of Jesus. These kingdoms were marched in front of Jesus to reach out and take if he would like. This temptation was to get ahead of God or in our our terms to, to love something more than God, to want something more than God. Paul calls Satan the God of this world in 2 Corinthians. In John, the great apostle of love, he said this in 1 John 2, 15 and 17, do not love the world nor the things in the world that it offers you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving, physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from the world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This is one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. Now, the world here is the system, the values, the identity that it tries to shroud you with, the the one that tries to snuff out what God wants to do in your life, the one that wants to snuff out what God has called you to be in this life. Now, how does it look practically? You know, picture you're frustrated at your job. You, you get passed over. You, you, you feel like you work hard in, in, a, in a company. Say it's an all field. And the all field company says, you know what? I think you do a great job in sales. And we're trying to build another division of our company. And we want you to run it. Now, what's going to happen here? You're, you're going to get paid double. You're going to move to a smaller community. There will be no church there to to take care of your spiritual needs. 
and you will always be on the road, and you will be away from your family. You have three small children, about eight, nine, and ten, and you will never see your wife, but you will be able to buy her a Mercedes. You'll be able to send your kids to, to a great school, but you will be absent from your family. The bait is there. You now have the ability to internally go back and forth. I could buy my wife a Mercedes. I could finally be something that I've always wanted to be. Remember, it's luring for your identity to have something, but it's at the cost of what means the most. And you start to think there's no way Satan could have opened this door. Listen, Satan can kick open the most beautiful door and you would never even know. Remember, Satan was there to give Jesus the kingdoms of this world. And believe me, he could have done that. There were his to give. Think about that. Not all that glitters is gold. The question is, am I chasing something that is not the will of God for my life, no matter how beautiful it may look? That's what happens when you're drawn by having. Number two, insta-faith. Think about this. Jesus was tempted to have it now. Impatience is a cancer that plagues society. We'll sit at a microwave and holler, hurry up. I heard an illustration about a year ago, and it really stuck with me. I'm going to share it with you. They were saying that, remember back in the day when you took a picture and you had the film and you had to bring it to Eckerd's? Eckerd's? K&B, uh, National. <laughs> okay, well, you brought it there. You didn't know how the picture was going to look, right? You didn't know if you took the perfect selfie because you really didn't have an opportunity to. You might take a picture and it'd go that way. You didn't know if the lighting was perfect. And what you did was you brought these pictures and they brought it into a dark room, laid out chemicals, and began developing the pictures, right? You have no idea what they look like. You don't know which ones are good. You're hoping that this one came out the best because you feel like you might have had the right angle. But what would happen if you were there and you opened the door in the middle of the development process? Think about that. It would ruin everything. It would ruin everything. You had to wait. You had to let the development process happen. God can call you to do something or give you something, and you can rush it. You can get ahead of God. When God's trying to develop you in the dark rooms of life, right? He's trying to develop you, and the doors open and messes everything up. You get what you always wanted, but it wasn't the right time. I remember going into youth ministry immediately after I got saved, and it destroyed me. I mean, I was limping, cripple. I was crawling through. There's no way I should have did that, got into ministry that early. But you live and learn. But the process is what develops us, right? But Instagram, you take a picture, you can immediately fix the best filter. You can crop what you want out. You can manufacture quick development and make it superficial. Amen? It looks a certain way, but it's not. See, we've gotten impatient in life. We want what we want now. Jesus could have grabbed those kingdoms, but he would have an empty kingdom because every person in that kingdom would spend eternity apart from him because he would have bypassed the cross. That's the, he was going to get the kingdoms anyway, right? It was already promised. 
Listen, sometimes we'll give our kids things too early, right? Can I talk a little bit? Just, just us? I would give anything. I wouldn't give anything to my child that I cannot measure by their character development. You know, how, how, how do I know how far I can let my kid ride on the bike? Well, do they pay attention in the house? <laughs> That's just, you know, something that, that I would think of. You know, I remember Dylan, who is Shannon and, and I's son. I came into the picture when he was 10. And I remember at, I think it was 11 or 12, my dad and I had a lawn service and he would come cut with us during the summer. And he would, you know, sweat and want to go with here and there. But what happened is it began to develop maturity in him. He was faithful at what he did. It began to work a work ethic in him. I began to look at that and I was able to give him things earlier based on what I was seeing him be faithful with. Amen. So when we judge the level of maturity, then we can decide if they can have a cell phone, social media, right? The last thing you want to do is give a little carved rattlesnake that is able to destroy everything social media, <laughs> right? They'll post every opinion they hear in third grade. <laughs> They'll tell on you what you're doing at home. <laughs> Back to the text. The kingdoms belong to Satan, and he can give it to whoever he choose. Remember, that was transferred at the fall. Adam gave over dominion to Satan. Now, Satan is a subtitle ruler, but God Almighty rules and reigns high above the kingdoms of this world. And the, king, the time is coming where Satan will give the power over to a man called the Antichrist, and he will rule for a period of time. Side note, <laughs> I was reading something earlier online, and there are people that actually believe that we're in the millennial kingdom right now and that Satan is bound. <laughs> I thought, well, if that's the case, Satan's on a mighty long leash. <laughs> Listen, Satan is loosed. He is, do, he is going to and fro. He is seeking whom he can devour. He's blinding the minds of people. He's deceiving. He's puffing up. He's tearing down. He's lying. He's, he's ripping people apart. He's trying to get into the church, right? Satan is never taking off. He's trying to get through the front door. If the front door is shut, he's trying to get in the chimney, through the back door, through the window. He'll jump in your kid's book sack and try to come home. Right? He's always, or the, the, the prince of, in, in the principalities of darkness are always coming for the children of God. That's why we must always be on alert. Don't move ahead of God. You know, I, I think of another story. Think of a newly married couple that they go into a furniture store. They're brand new married. I mean, He's got a job that he's just starting. His wife has graduated and she is, has not yet found the job that she wants to be in. They go to a furniture store on one of the great days where a lot of things are, are cheaper. They see this furniture bedroom set, right? I mean, it's the most beautiful thing they've ever seen. The wife makes sweet eyes at the husband. How many of you have received those sweet eyes before as a husband? The, the, the bedroom set looks absolutely stunning. In fact, it's made of wood, but it's patterned after what Queen Elizabeth has in her guest bedroom. There's only 500 made. The price is marked down so low that you are sitting there saying, we have to have this. It'll never go out of style. 
It'll match everything. It's absolutely stunning. I would be so happy if I had it. Then here, here comes the salesman, and he's like, oh, I'm glad you came by. Yes, this bedroom set is amazing. Five people looked at it this morning. I have one on the phone that's coming in. Listen, if you want it now, we can deliver it immediately and waive that cost. And we will never, ever, ever get this back in the storeroom floor. And so the husband and wife begin to say, we have, we have to. We have to get this. That's me. You know, simply, I can look at something as seen on TV and I'm like, okay, where do I buy? This, Shannon, this vacuum cleaner can suck up a cinder block. How could we not use that? But <laughs> I really did buy one before. It sucked up water, then bolts. I did water and, and then tried the bolts. It never worked. But I still will fall for it. I got one of them tack light flashlights. I'm shining it all throughout the yard, down the street. I'm shooting it like on a school in the park, you know. I'm like, this thing is amazing. It's so easy to fall into things that the eyes see. So they're sitting here saying, this is amazing. This will be our first purchase. We can take a picture of it and put it in a frame. Meanwhile, the guy comes up and he's like, hey, I'm about to go to lunch. You want it or not? They have another couple that's right here asking, but I've, I've held them off. Now, the only catch is the interest rate is sky high. That would make Dave Ramsey sitting on your shoulder say, you better not buy that. <laughs> Meanwhile, you give in and the millstone is placed around your neck and you cannot afford it. That's a very clear example of getting ahead of God. Of, of God may, may say, listen, I got priorities for you. By the way, you're pregnant. We never know. I'm talking about praying about everything that we get involved in, right? This is the problem. Instant gratification at a long-term cost. Number three, false worship. Luke 4 and 7. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Just bow the knee to me. No one will have to see. Turn your back on God. Jesus, if he is so loving, why do you have to pay for these people that you don't even really owe? You know, compromise is so rampant in society. Around the world, many well-meaning people are worshiping everything except Christ. The worship of self is false worship. You may be saying, that's ridiculous. Listen, 1 Corinthians 10, 19. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance? Or that idols are real gods? Not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and the table of demons too. Paul's very clear. Back then they offered food to idols and we may not bow down to trinkets, but we can bow down in our heart and not even realize it's happening. Think about Jesus and the people back in the day. They believed the Torah. They believed the first five books of the Bible. They, they read it. They, they wore it on their head. But when, when Jesus came around, they re repudiated him. They, they, they backed away from him. Look what Jesus said in John 8, 42 and 43. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. But because I have come to, to you from God, I am not here on my own. But he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. They had clogged their ears with works, 
with what they thought the Messiah would be. They were waiting for this Messiah to come riding in on a horse and decimate Rome and empower them to lead this world. And that never happened. It says, for you are children of your father, the devil. You love to do evil things. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Now listen to this. Satan's goal has always been worship. Always. And worship is giving the highest honor to the superior. You know, Satan tried to get people, to work, angels, to worship him in the very presence of God. How obnoxiously. Uh, how obnoxious. It means to, the, the Greek word for worship is to, means to bow down before something, express adoration and affection, like what we were doing up here. God said, you will have no other gods before me. This is the first commandment. Satan's goal is to substitute anything in God's place. He'll even take you on the throne. False worship is loving anything, serving anything, fearing anything, respecting anything more than God. It could be a job, relationship, hobby, family. We must always examine ourselves in this area because it creeps up. I don't believe that someone just jumps up and says, you know what? I want to worship golf over God. What fool would do that? What fool would want to sit in the sun and fish and not catch anything if you're fishing with me and say, this is better than God? No one. It's joy. It's, it's a joy and it's enjoyable in its proper place, in its proper context. Do you want to know what you worship? Can I just be frank with you tonight? Look at your checkbook and your calendar. What is gradually, harmlessly sizing you up to choke you out? Think about that. I want to remind you, you are not powerless. You are not powerless. Jesus Christ has given you all power and authority to attack any area of your life that is tugging you away from God. So basically, we'll wrap this part up here. <laughs> Got a couple of more things. Wait for the bait. Watch for it. Number two, don't let the battle begin to rage inside. And three, make the right decision. That's pretty simple. But it's hard to walk out, right? Am I still talking to angels? Now look, Luke 4, let's look at what Jesus did. Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The armor of God is, is one of the things that I'm sure we're going to be talking about in Ephesians. But remember this, Jesus stood brow to brow with Satan, looked him square in the eye and said, it is written, dummy. Jesus re resisted the first temptation, and he's standing chest to chest with, de with the devil, saying, and I'll resist this one too. Ephesians 6.13 would tell us, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Listen, strap yourself to the word of God. Arm yourself with the arsenal of the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and look at the devil and shoot him in the face. <laughs> I try not to get too violent up here, but when I think of the devil, man, I just he just kind of gets. <laughs> so let me ask you something. Are you weary 
right now? Are you giving into this temptation? Has Satan already put the dirt, dirt over you and say you are buried in this battle and you're not ever going to get up and be victorious? Can I encourage you to start moving that dust off, off of your your tomb that the devil has placed before you, rise up, blow yourself off, and say, you know what? I'm going to go back into this situation, and I'm going to win this battle because Jesus' victory is my victory. Amen? Now, how do you do this? <laughs> Should have been about 7.30 at this point. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Number one, resist immediately. Luke 4, 8. And Jesus answered. Listen, I like this. Instantly. Jesus fires back. He doesn't stew on the proposition. He doesn't say, well, man, the kingdoms of this world. He instantly, he fires back. Defiantly, he rises up in a counterattack. He didn't argue with him. He didn't say that's some good points. He didn't try to figure out the way he can ease it into to, to benefit him. He completely resisted it. James 4, 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's the key thought process. Jesus was already submitted to, to God. You and I need to do the same thing. Are you already submitted to God? Because if, if you are submitted, you will resist the devil and he'll flee. Listen, without being submitted to God, you cannot resist the devil. You might be able to resist the devil in things you don't want to do. Like you can, you can resist the devil in eating something you really don't like. Right? I mean, there's some things that I'm not tempted with at all. I'm not tempted to skydive. Right? I probably should stop there. But there are some things that the flesh just wants, something that you just gravitate, something that you built up an appetite in in your old life that is just waiting for those embers to come back up. So resist immediately. Listen, if an intruder was breaking into your house, would you be like, man, what's that at 2 o'clock in the morning? I heard glass break. You think they're playing baseball and a ball just came through the window? I will deal with it in the morning. No, you would rise up. You would grab them babies. You'd load your shotgun or call the cops, whatever the side of the fence you're on on that. <laughs> You'll call the cops. You'll dial 911 immediately. And if you're John Wayne in your house, you'll jump right in front of this guy. Our girl, whatever nowadays. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, and, and you will resist him immediately and do whatever you can to get him out of your house. That's the same thing when addiction pops up. Don't sit there and think, well, I had a bad day. This would be good. So don't start to reason all of these things. Deal with it immediately. It must be stopped immediately as soon as it rears its head. You know what I'm talking about, that perfect storm of circumstance and trouble and fill in the blank. <laughs> Paul would say, put on the armor of God. How do you resist? My good friend Nathan always tells me this. No. It's a complete sentence, right? It's a complete sentence. No. Simply, no. How do you resist? No. Let's stand. I'm joking. It is, it is, seems that simple, but we must stand. Listen, I'll give you an example. Saturday, I was, I was reading for this. They had a, a, uh, uh, alarm guy came by. Uh, we, let's see. And no one's going to break into my house. <laughs> 
We have an alarm system that's shut off, but we have the sign still on in case we want to turn it on. (laughs) But he came by, he knocked on the door, and instantly my lovely dog, who's about 150 pounds, rolls up. The hair on the back of his neck stood up. He's an English Mastiff named Tebow, T-E-B-E-A-U-X, not Tim Tebow. Kind of was named after him. Got up, door knocked, oof, oof, oof. I was like, uh-oh. So I went, I thought it was just the mailman. I, I answered the door. The guy's like, hey, man, I noticed you had a, a sign here. We'd like to see if it's, if it's turned on. And, you know, we'd like to maybe up the package for you. You know, with all the crime going on in New Iberia, and I'm sure he was really concerned about that. I said, man, I'm, I really didn't feel like crushing the guy. My dog's trying to kill him. I kind of don't need an alarm system. <laughs> I mean, the slobber on the door. And I'm like, calm down. So I told him, I said, listen, maybe let's, let me talk to my wife. By the way, I didn't tell you that. Uh, <laughs> But I said, let me talk to my wife and see if maybe we'll want to go that route. But I don't want an alarm system. It was like a $1,000. That's a lot. Okay. Maybe not. But it was a lot to me. And I didn't say no immediately. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't forceful. I didn't, I left the crack open. And I think that's what we do with temptation. We just kind of leave it sitting here, walk away, see how I feel, see if I get riled up, see if I get frustrated. And I can come back to it. The point of the matter is I should have said, no, I'm not interested. We have an alarm system, kind of. And I have a dog that could kill you. I don't need an alarm system. But if so, just leave me your card and I'll get back with you. So don't leave the door open for the alarms for sin. (laughs) All right. Number two, draw the sword and swing it precise. Luke 4, 8, it is written. Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is the first responder in your scene of temptation. One commentator said it this way. The word of God is the sword to wield with understanding, to bring truth to error, happiness to sadness, light to darkness, growth to stagnancy. There's no debate with Satan. Listen, draw your sword and shove it right in his vocal cords and silence him in your life. The sword is of no help if it's on the coffee table. It must be inside of you. It's a two-edged sword. Logos and rhema. Logos is the whole counsel of God. Rhema is the precise word that you need for that moment. Remember, bow down and worship me. The rhema word was, you shall have no other gods. God alone is to be worshiped, right? That's what Jesus came back with exactly what was needed. When you come across a verse, either by reading or circumstance, the Holy Spirit will shine a light and say, this is how you handle this situation. This is what I'm speaking to you in this particular situation. It is our job to grab it off the page, stuff it in our heart, and walk it out. Amen? Number three, worship God only. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This word only means only. There's no rivals with God. Matthew 22, 37, you shall love God with with all your heart, soul, and mind. So here's the the cookies on the shelf application, because I know I didn't give you like two applications, and I think I got two more to give you. (laughs) Sweating. 
Love you guys. Number one, stay on guard. Listen, temptation is always near, always. No one's immune, right? The enemy of our soul never takes off. The Bible says stay alert. Watch for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls like a roaring lion, which means he's not a roaring lion. He acts like one. Looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in faith. This is at home, on the job, during playtime. Stand firm. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of us got too much flesh? <laughs> right? The flesh is like, hey, come here. Okay, where are we going? No, no, we just need to be led by the spirit. Number two, stand strong in the Lord. Ephesians 10, 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We should stay prayed up. We should stay spirit-filled. We have a choice now. We didn't have one before Calvary. Temptation called, we answered. Satan pulled, we went. Now we have the ability because at the cross, Jesus cut that leash off. We have to choose to take ourselves out of the equation. Here's the best way to do it. Temptation, what would God want me to do here? I'm taking myself out and I'm just going to do what God wants. Right? I mean, that's what I'd tell myself. Okay, I don't have a really a choice in the matter. Right? I, I kind of got to do what my master says for me to do. Number three, put on the whole armor of God. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go through and read it all, but I just want to tell you, if you go back and read Ephesians 6, 13 through 18, I want to give you the pieces of it and tell you how it's, how it's the word of God. Listen, the belt of truth, this is what you do. Commit to learn the truth. Don't just read and say, I got my box. I, I checked off my quiet time. Commit to learn and say, you know what? This is the most important thing. I need to apply these truths to my life. Number two, put on the breastplate of righteous. Practice living out the righteous walk of Christ. Walk in holiness, right? That's not a curse word. Holiness. We need to strive to walk in what God says we can walk in and stay away from things he says we can't walk in. And the shoes. Remember, the Bible talks about the gospel of peace, the shoes. Express your faith. Share your faith. Listen, when you're sharing your faith, it's kind of hard to want to go in the ditch, right? You don't like that hypocritical feeling, right? I, I don't, right? When you share your faith, don't you just feel the Holy Spirit saying, that a boy, keep going. There you go. That's what I've called you to do. And it keeps you revved up and fired up. The shield of faith, block the fiery darts. Come on, the darts are coming. Don't just stand wide open. Block the fiery darts. And the helmet of salvation, you know what's one of the greatest joys that you and I can have? The certainty that this flesh will stay here and I will be resurrected to a glorified body. I will have no ability to sin. That drives me every single day. Keep your eyes focused on the helmet of salvation, the fulfillment of God taking us home and the sword of the spirit. Swing that thing precisely with the application that you learn. I'm talking swing it. Amen? How many of you swing your sword? How many of you know what the Bible says? Listen, this is your, this is your weapon. This is what God has given you because it works. Remember the first temptation when this, the devil was coming after Satan? Man, he could have called legions of angels, right, to come down. He would have destroyed everything. It would have been a nuclear holocaust. But Jesus didn't do that. He just quoted the word. He used the most powerful weapon 
that he had because the word of God was on the inside of him and he locked and loaded and shot it at the devil's face. And he's given you the power, the accuracy, the ability to do the same thing. Now here's a, a nugget that goes back to every part of, of this armor. Number one, commitment to the truth. Number two, live out the truth. It all goes back to the truth. Number three, share the truth. Listen, number four, trust the author of this truth. Our obedience to the hope of the truth. You know, David said, how can a man cleanse his way? By hiding the word of God, by taking, taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to the word, conforming it to his life. Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, he's given us the grace of this beautiful word of God. It's up to us to pick it up. It's like a sword that is just sitting there that, that God has given you. You got to pick it up, read it, learn how to use it, and swing that thing as if your life depends on it because it does. Amen? And the last point, <laughs> praise God. Be practical. This is the easiest one, I think. Listen, I was a drunk, okay? I drank every day. Practical is I don't need to be outside the bar by the door, right? Amen? <laughs> Sometimes you got to be practical. Don't give the flesh an opportunity to try to lawyer his way in and tell you all the reasons why the lost are in there if you deal with alcoholism, amen? If you struggle with so many other things, lust, turn the TV off if you have to, burn the computer, destroy it. I had a conversation with a guy and he was dealing with some things and I said, dude, the best thing you could do is take a bat to that computer. He was like, nah, man, I ain't, I ain't doing that. that. That's practical. Let's be practical. It's harder to yield to something that's not there. Amen? Listen, I don't care if you got to start cutting friends out of your life. I did that until I was able to get strong enough to go back and be of use to the kingdom of God. And it's working beautifully. These guys don't even want to do the stuff that they used to do. Amen? Now, can we stand? I hope you've gotten a lot of life application tonight. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, you may be here tonight, and you might be totally at the mercy of the devil. I mean, the devil has you in the corner. He's pushing you up like a bully, and he's saying you have no power over anything. There's nothing you can do. I got you. Can I tell you to silence that lie? And reach out to Jesus. You might be here tonight and you do not know Jesus as Lord. I want to give you that opportunity. What do I mean by that? That means that you've acknowledged that I've sinned. I know that it's hopeless. There's nothing I can do to please God. I know that I deserve the penalty of my sin. I know that I've broken God's laws on number, numerous occasions. And I want to repent and ask God to forgive me. And I want Jesus who is the lover of my soul, to come on the inside of me and save me from sure defeat. If you can say, that's what I want tonight, I just want to see your hand and I want to pray with you. It is absolutely the greatest decision that you will ever make. Let me see your hand. Just be bold. Praise God. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise
praise God. Come on, can we pray this together? I want us to pray. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And it's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the fact that you mean it. And I believe tonight God will change you. He will regenerate you. You will walk out of here with new desires, new love, new joy, new peace. I'm telling you, there is nothing better on the face of this earth than serving Jesus. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody pray like you ate breakfast. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name. I come to you. I confess that I've sinned, that I've broken your laws. I don't want to live this way anymore. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all sin. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Thank you for saving me. I am a child of God. Amen and amen. Praise God. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Now let me pray for you and pray for myself. I'm going to join in with this prayer. Come on, let's let's say, God, I just ask right now, I'm going to pray, and I just want you to acknowledge it in your own heart. Lord, I just ask that you would help me recognize the bait from Satan, that you would help me stay guard, that you would empower me to resist the devil. And Father, if I fall to the bait, let the battle on the inside that begins to raise, rage, hush, and be still. I bring that under the submission of God. That's how you do it on a daily basis. I bring it under the submission of God. God, this is what you say about my temptation. And I ask you that you would empower me to to remove myself from this temptation. And Lord, empower me to make the right decision, to make practical choices that keep me away from the places that pull me in. Amen. Do you receive that? Is that the cry of your heart tonight? Father, we thank you right now for hearing our prayer. God, we thank you that our hearts are tender towards you. God, we give you full control of whatever you want to do in our lives. God, we submit our life. Come on, just lift your hands and say, Lord, I submit my life to your cause, to your purpose, to your will. Father, we acknowledge that you're in charge. You're our master. You're our father. And Lord, we just submit all of our desires to you. God, we ask that you would help us walk this out tonight, tomorrow, and all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, have a great afternoon or night. You're dismissed. Love you. <laughs>